0: Well, good morning church. It's great for Nancy and I to be with you and to be in this place. I also join those that are listening on the radio and also live streaming and others that will watch this service and this message in the days and perhaps weeks to come. It's just great to be in this church. Um, This is the mother church I consider. This is the founding church of the South Georgia Conference. So thank you for all your 194 years of ministry that have birthed many things from churches to people to ministries It was my privilege to be over here uh, around Christmas time to film a video here in the sanctuary and then to go out in the back uh, and see those that were working to feed um, the hungry and the homeless in the community and to spend a little time with them. You're touching people's lives every day. Um, I'm thankful for your ministry over the many years, but also what you're doing. Many of you serve on um, conference boards and agencies and also serve in the district, and I thank you for that. I also want to give thanks for the leadership of Creed Henshaw, Tommy Martin, and Marcus Tripp uh, this past year. I think they might have gotten into a little bit bigger journey than they were anticipating, but they, did, they have done wonderful, wonderful ministry, and I'm so thankful for them. Uh, your new pastor that's coming, uh, most of you should know his name, but the, the bishop's going to be good, and wait until you hear officially his name next week. Um, because I've asked pastors or churches not to do that till next Sunday, so I better obey my own uh, things that I've asked people to do. But most of you know that who's coming and you've had some time to spend with him and his family, and and you all are in for some exciting days. You you just really are, and people seem to be excited that he's coming. And and let me just say, I accepted this uh, uh, appointment to come and preach several uh, weeks ago Uh, probably sometime last year. And I sure was hoping by April 3rd that I would have this appointment all done. And it is, and I'm just so thankful to be here. It's great to be also um, your district superintendent. uh, Craig Hutto is with us, his wife, and uh, Cater Thompson, a member of this congregation, serves so faithfully as our conference chancellor. Nancy and I almost feel like uh, we're, we're back home in many ways because when I was elected a bishop in 2016, um, we were serving a church much like this one in downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, where I was born and had been away for 32 years. We got to come back and, and to serve there and uh, just enjoy all those ministries and to be able to, and, and the, the elements of worship I just so much appreciated today. It feels so good and I connected with it and so thank you for that. Um, as Creed mentioned in the introduction uh, in his announcements, I am just a circuit riding bishop. Uh, traveling all over Alabama, West Florida, and South Georgia. And I have so appreciated getting to travel uh, over this annual conference and have spent a lot of time in many places. And um, I just feel blessed with that. Uh, for our scripture uh, lesson, as we um, begin to just think about my, how I have used this sermon title of Moving On, Moving On. And I want to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 3. And I want to begin in the fourth verse. Here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. So Paul is the one who is speaking, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have have even more. When you begin to read this, you think Paul is a pretty confident person. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am pure. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought that these things were valuable but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it as all garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I'm no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. And for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power and raise him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Pressing on toward the goal, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. If I go back to the very first verse of this chapter 3, whatever happens, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Tomorrow evening, a new national champion will be crowned in the NCAA basketball tournament. It will conclude a long journey for the 358 Division I schools that play basketball that began back in uh, early November and will conclude. We just concluded March Madness, where 68 teams began the journey. Brackets were set and there were so many upsets. I would dare say that nobody had a perfect bracket this year. And we also learned that there's a team in New Jersey, New York, named the St. Peter's Peacocks. A school with 350 students, a 15th seed that made it all the way to the final eight teams. A 15th seed had never done that before. One line that you will hear the, the, the radio, the TV announcers make, I've, I've watched this the last few years, is that when a team wins, The announcer would say, in this case, it's going to be North Carolina, and taking on uh, the Kansas Jayhawks, two-story basketball programs. He would always, he would say, the North Carolina Tar Heels are moving on, or the Kansas Jayhawks are moving on. My Tennessee volunteers only got one call, moving on. They made it to the round of 32. If you win, you move on, you lose. You go home, your season is over. Moving on. This past July, Nancy and I traveled to Chicago, Illinois, to um, help move her aunt, Co. 94 years of age, in a condo that she had lived in for over 50 years, or approximately 50 years, to Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, where she was going to move into um, uh, 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 complex work. I mean, she's 94. She, she still drives. Keep our fingers crossed on that. Uh, she's very independent, so she's an in independent living there in Knoxville, but we had to pack up fifty, almost approximately 50 years of her things. And she really hadn't packed up anything until we got there. We furvishly spent a week packing and packing and packing. And I don't know about you, but when something breaks or something has been used up, and it's really served its purpose, I just get rid of it. I just, get, I just throw it away, I take it to the garbage, but not our Aunt Co. What she does is either put it in a closet, stick it under the bed, or store it in her storage locker. To go through those individual items, well, somebody might need that. Who could use that? And I'm thinking, nobody. Let's just get rid of it. So all that stuff came to Knoxville and Nancy will be going up there next week, this coming week, to spend some time helping her get rid of some of the things that she should have gotten rid of in Chicago. Maybe you're like that or maybe you know someone that's like that. What I found sometimes is that sometimes something very good and very right gets thrown away. Nancy and I also had the great opportunity uh, of helping clean out my parents' house this year as they moved to assisted living. And they had lived there 53 years, the house I grew up in. I guess we get picked on to help move people because we've done it 19 times. I think that's the last count Nancy gave me was 19. My sister's kind of like the opposite of Aunt Coe. She's just ready to get rid of everything. And so she shows a picture and says, I have no idea what this is. Do you have any idea what it is? Because I'm just getting ready to throw it in the trash. I looked at the picture and it all came together. This was a picture of my great grandfather who owned a laundry business and he had a, he had a um, uh, uh, kind of a it was drawn by a horse so he had a He kind of had this little wagon, and it had the name of the laundry company on it, and drawn with one horse. My dad told me that my great-grandfather clogged up traffic in the little town that we grew up in with the streetcars and the Model Ts with his one horse pulling a wagon, picking up laundry, and delivering it. And I'm looking at that picture, and I'm going, no, we're not throwing this picture away, because it's the only picture I know that exists of my great-grandfather. Sometimes we may throw something away. Moving on, I, 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 I like Westerns. Um, I like to watch them, um, the likes of John Wayne, Gunsmoke with James Arness. By the way, I'm distantly related to James Arness. Um, his mother was a Graves, and so I kind of did the analogy, and we're probably two or three or four, maybe five <laughs> cousins away. You know, I have a list, and wagon train is one of those lists, and uh, can you just imagine the pioneers moving in the west, and and they're kind of going from the east, and they're kind of going to Oregon, or they're moving over to California, and they get to the Rocky Mountains, and it's starting to snow, and the wagons get really, really heavy, and the horses are straining, and they can't really go on any further, and they've got to lighten their load. In this case, in wagon train, Major Adams comes and says, you've got to lighten your load, you've got to start throwing things over, and people or children are crying, and parents are crying, and furniture goes over the side, and, and pianos go over the side, and maybe there's some really precious things, but they can't go any further until they lighten their load. It's kind of like when the Major says that you've got to lighten the load, and the parents are crying, it reminds me of how a, United Methodist Bishop feels sometimes they're not very well liked in the moment when they have to make those decisions. Even in the Bible we read of where in the seas where ships had to, were tossed by storms and they were hanging on to a sandbar and they had to lighten their load and they had to lighten their cargo and some of it was precious cargo, precious furniture and jewelry. They had to be tossed away. But during the crisis even good stuff might, needs to go. It's enabling you to survive and move on. It's very likely in your life you won't have these occasions because these are stories of novels and television. It's interesting and moving, but so what? Even though this kind of things are of the past or rare, people still throw away good stuff from time to time. So this morning, I want to leave you with someone who... um, gave away something extremely valuable. In Creed, read just a few moments ago from the Gospel of John, you see that um, Mary is very much criticized by Judas of Iscariot for using an expensive perfume to anoint the feet of Jesus. uh, The value of that perfume was worth a regular person's wages for the whole year, and Judas Iscariot was upset. He really wasn't upset that something was being... Wasted in his mind. He just wanted to keep it so he might be able to use it somewhere else sometime. But we also see it in our epistle lesson for this morning with Paul who wrote to his friends in Philippi in northern Greece. And the summary of the first few verses of Philippi chapter 3 really are go like this from Paul. If I were a bragging in a bragging contest, Paul writes, I would win. Not for what I have, but for who I am. My identity, my genealogy, my family. My connections, my standing in the community. I could win any bragging contest. I mean, that's really what he's saying in the first few verses of our scripture. You kind of have to step back just a little bit and begin to think, you know, Paul, you look a little bit uh, into yourself too much in these first few verses. And he is. He said, I'm a Jew. I'm proud of that. I'm a member of the house of Israel. We have been mistreated severely over the years. We have had our things taken by every country of the world. We have been literally destroyed in community after community. But I remind you that we have clung to the faith in God. We have kept the light on when darkness was everywhere. We have given the world the basis of all moral and ethical standards. We've given the 10 Commandments. We have contributed the writings that shaped three great religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Paul said, I am an Israelite. I am born a Jew, and I am proud of it, and I could win any bragging contest. I began to think about that. I I am a Methodist. I was going to church nine months before I was ever born. Can I get a witness to that? I grew up in the church. At the time when I was born, it was the Methodist Episcopal Church South, I was confirmed in the, United Method, the newly formed United Methodist Church in 1972. I answered the call to ministry in the local church in which I grew up in. My pastor helped me, guide, guided me in answering God's call. I would encourage you that all of us are being guided by God to have a call in our life to serve Him in some way. It was at an altar, just like this, that I gave my life to Jesus, and I answered my call to ministry. I could proudly say that, you know, I was ordained a deacon in the United Methodist Church, ordained an elder, then a district superintendent, and then was elected and consecrated as a bishop in the United Methodist Church. I could do all that bragging. But Paul tells us in our scripture lesson this morning that we, he was born a Jew, He didn't come to this deal late. He was circumcised on the eighth day, and my family, Benjamin, it was the smallest tribe. It didn't amount to much in people's eyes, but God was always used the smallest and the weakest and the least known to accomplish what God wants to do. This was Paul's tribe, and out of that tribe came King Saul, and Paul was first named Saul of Tarsus. We are United Methodists. Paul's denomination was Pharisee. Paul could argue there were other Jews who had different views or opinions, but he was proud to be a Pharisee. Being a Pharisee simply meant that we believe in the Bible, we follow the Bible. When the temple was destroyed, we built a substitute for the temple called synagogue, and we were so excited about building one synagogue, we built several synagogues. Paul could have bragged just as he said, just ask my teachers, just ask the people that know me. I am proud of it. And if I disagree with anybody who weakens the scripture, take it out of context, trades it for something else, Paul would have classified back in the day as a zealot. A zealot were an actual group of people. They were religious leaders, who thinkers who were fanatical and uncompromising in pursuit of their religious beliefs. Do we have any fanatical georgia bulldog fans in here this morning i have a pastor friend uh, in the annual conference i came out of in the holston annual conference and he was one that was always bragging and if you had done it once he had done it twice if you had met so and so he had met them and met their family. I mean, he, he just was one step ahead of everybody. And if he hadn't done exactly what you did, he would tell you something else that was grandier than what you just talked about. One day, he was kind of expounding on one of those things, and my friend Randy, who was sitting beside me, he said, You know, David, you remember um, we learned in Scripture that, um, that when God created creation, he created the heavens. And then he created the earth, and then he created man and woman, and he created animals. And remember what God said after that? that God said that uh, it was good, right? I said, that's right. He said, I believe that when God created the heavens, that our friend Dan here leaned over God and said it was good. It was like this guy could not quit bragging on all the things that he had done until until he met Jesus. In Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he said, I count all of what I just said as garbage. I tossed it. I took it to the dump. What we have is a story of a man who didn't regret his past. There may have been some places that he did regret or was guilty, but he put it all away. Reflect on being a part of the church. Paul could have done what other people do to join. Join the church and then pick, just pick and choose the parts you like. Come now and then and give a little now and then. Do a little now and then. Maybe serve on a committee now and then. Not any of this is bad. But Paul is seeking to tell us that there is so much more. Paul, in a sense, is moving on. He's moving on. God could have just kept bragging on all that he had done, too. His people kept breaking covenant. The Bible tells us that these stiff-necked people, every time I think about stiff-necked people, I remember in Bible, disciple Bible study, we were talking about this particular scripture that had stiff-necked people in it, and I kind of had a one of those moments that I said, well, this is what I said. Some of those uh, stiff-necked people and people in the whole room began to have a lot of... They, And the people that were in the room have not let me forgotten that even to this day. (laughs) Instead of God bragging on all that God had done, the Scripture tells us that God emptied Himself and gave us Christ. Christ who emptied Himself as well and became a human being was obedient even to the hour of death. Even death upon a cross. Jesus was not focused on upward mobility. Jesus was focused on lower, downward mobility. He came from the presence of God, from all that was good. He came from ivory palaces, from the throne, from the glory, from the angels, from praise. Jesus came from all that was good. He tossed it and became human, just like you and me. Paul is saying, as we read the third chapter of Philippians, how can anyone claim to be a follower of Jesus and still seek their own thing? How can I keep my own agenda? How can I keep my own pride? How can I just give occasionally or do occasionally? Because Jesus gave it all up for us. He tossed aside the heavenly. He came down to be a servant. What Paul is telling us, what Paul realized, what Paul has come to know is that if you're going to be a Christian, then you should be like Jesus. So then what do we do with our pride? What do we do with our agenda? What do we do with our own selfishness? What do we do with our own calendar? Perhaps you may need to take it to the dump in order to be like Jesus. Jesus is moving toward Jerusalem. He's moving on. He's moving there not for himself, but he's moving there for you and for me. Paul has this idea that our lives should be like Jesus, to love, to care, to give, to serve, to suffer, and to sacrifice like he did. Now Paul goes on to say, I haven't arrived there yet. Don't get the idea that I've arrived and obtained any of my goals. I know that being like Jesus is one thing on my mind. He says I'm running, I'm pressing forward with every fiber of my being. If I could be like Jesus. Paul is an unusual person. You may never in your lifetime meet anyone like him. That takes Jesus this seriously but this morning the scripture begins to beg us prior to Palm Sunday prior to Holy Week prior to the Last Supper the arrest of Jesus the trial and then the second trial the crucifixion the death and the burial the scripture obligates us today Because occasionally, somebody does. And just perhaps this morning, that might be you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.